0: You're listening to From the Midlands, the stories of people making a difference across the region. Our presenter is Gail Downey.
1: Hello and welcome to From the Midlands. I'm joined by an American who studied politics in Washington, did a master's degree in computer science and set up one of the leading internet search engine companies in the UK here in Nottingham, Susan Hallam from Hallam Internet. Hello and welcome. It's lovely to be
0: here, Gail. Lovely to see you again.
1: How did you end up in the UK? Oh, many years ago. I was an
0: exchange student, so I I spent a year studying in France and two years in Pennsylvania. And then I came across to the UK, uh, and I studied at the University of Manchester for a year. And you met your husband there, didn't you? I did. You know, we've been married now for 36 years. And I met him, of all places, at a toga party on the day i arrived in england i arrived in england and there was a to- a campus party and i
1: whipped out my beautiful f- pink pattern sheets he couldn't resist so you did politics that was your first degree and then you went on to do computer science what brought you over from politics to computer science
0: so, yeah so my bachelor's degree as you say was in was in politics and then I was offered a fellowship in the city of Philadelphia so I was able to do my studies for free which is actually really cool and I did them um, at a, a well-regarded university called Drexel University who offered me a chance to study something at that time that was called information science which once upon a time was almost like librarianship but it was more about data and information and I have to say I just thought it sounded so much fun so 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 I chose it, not because of what job I was going to get, but
1: just because I I liked the idea of studying it. And you were at one time when you were studying politics, actually looking at data from punch cards, weren't you? Which which tells a whole story, A, that we use punch cards back in the day, and also that you could get data and understand why people vote the way they do. That's
0: exactly right. I think I'm often asked, how did I make the leap from politics into computing? And it really was, as you just said, the fact that I was exploring poll data, survey data from the elections, and they were indeed on punch cards. Do you know if you dropped the pile of punch cards, all your research would go into, into, into bedlam. But um, I was using punch cards, and I think that's what introduced me to the fact that data could tell a story. We use the word data, but I also think data then gives you knowledge. And information. So that's how how I made that leap. I never really thought of myself as a geek, but I guess
1: I'm a geek now, aren't I? You came back to the UK, and you went through a directory, a like a kind of yellow pages to sent off your CV to get a job, which you did do. Tell me the story of getting your first job. And your first car. Oh, I, so I, um, my husband and I moved to the city of Nottingham, uh, and I had my beautiful master's degree
0: framed and on the wall, and I needed a job. So I did look through the, the Kellys directory, which is a really well-regarded directory. And there were companies in there. Nottingham, of course, is famous for companies that are now known as Experian, which at the time was great universal stores. I actually do quite naively. I just sent my, my resume, my CV off to a bunch of people and lo and behold, there was a lovely company called Sydney that was in, in Nottingham City Centre that offered me a job. And they said, oh, and by the way, we're gonna drive over to this city called Litchfield. I was like, okay, I'll go with you. And I jump in there and I go, and the reason they took me over there is I was gonna be given a company car. But I didn't know that at the time. So they, they handed me the keys to this powder blue Cavalier, sexiest car in the world. And they said, OK, see you later. And I had to figure out how to drive from Litchfield, which I didn't even know where I was, um, and get home to Nottingham. This is, of course, is before mobile phones or anything. And Um, on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) and So I was trying to shift gears and drive on the wrong side of the road and find my way back to Nottingham. It obviously worked
1: because you did end up in Nottingham.
0: (laughs) I made my way home. But I think, actually, that's a a good question, actually, Kel. In the sense of being an entrepreneur, part of the thing is, if we look back on that story, it is about just saying yes. So then the guy said to me, are you going to be okay? I just looked at him. I said, yes, and I'll do it. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs will take that leap
1: of faith and just say, yep, I'll figure it out. You did something quite unusual at the time as well as take on a a company car and drive in the UK, which you hadn't done before. You moved around quite a lot. At that time, people tended to stay with one company for a while. What was it about you that made you job hop? When I got my first job, I found that I was falling into a pattern that I would stay there maybe for
0: two years and then change and move on to another job. So I moved from Nottingham, I I then got a job in London, and then I came back to Nottingham and I bounced around. And I think that's quite typical now, but at that time uh, it was considered maybe a bit flighty or disloyal. So I think it was a bit early in that sense. And I think many people realize now that by moving into new jobs, you get new experiences, you meet new people, you continue to grow and develop. I think businesses now are focusing on that you can grow and develop within the company.
1: But at that time, I think I could accelerate it. You could grow and develop by changing jobs. So you stopped job hopping and decided to get a job in education at Nottingham Trent University, lecturing in computer science. What made you step into the education sector? On the one hand, it was an obvious choice for me. I come from a long line of
0: teachers. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a teacher. So to go into teaching felt really comfortable. Uh, Computing, of course, was my specialist area. But also at the time, I realized now in hindsight that we were getting ready to start a family. And I felt that education offered a safe harbor for women who were in education. I felt safe working there. Um, I think that's no longer the case now. Women with families work lots of different places. But at that time, the university really felt right for me.
1: And you've got your first taste of consultancy and running your own business through doing business consultancy at the university or for the university?
0: In addition to doing my normal lecturing and teaching I was supporting PhD students I was also then invited to be doing consultancy work on behalf of the university which again was a great umbrella to kind of test and learn new things so I realize now in hindsight it was a really good proving ground for me starting my consultancy services and I got to work with the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. I worked with Macmillan Publishers. So organizations probably I would not be able to access as a small business I could reach under the university.
1: And that is actually one of the difficulties, isn't it, for small businesses, getting in to work with and for the big businesses. How do people solve that? Well, as you say, I think um,
0: having had that experience at the university was probably another key to success for starting my own small business i was able to refer to that blue chip experience so many entrepreneurs i think do have a history of having worked other places so it's that history of where else have you worked that is going to form and contribute to the bedrock of what your business is going to become
1: and you left education to go and work for bt and then later on for capital one the bank Again, why make that leap? So I stayed at the university, I think, for
0: eight years. And then when I went to British Telecom, I have to say that was primarily because I realized that I could be earning more money working in the private sector than I could in the university sector. So British Telecom, at that point, was transforming from being a telephone company into an internet service provider. So I joined this really exciting new consultancy division selling internet services uh, which I didn't realize at the time was really difficult for BT because of course what they sold was minutes on the telephone and I think it took them a little while to get to grips about this internet thing. And then you went to Capital One, you were headhunted. Uh, yeah so at Bridge Tele, uh, at BT I was then approached by um, a recruitment agency, a headhunter that uh, invited me to Um, interview for a job at Capital One. And it was a brilliant job. Nottingham City Center, global headquarters, leading the drive to providing uh, credit card data on the internet. Really exciting. Go into the job. And I pretty quickly found in my heart of hearts, it wasn't the job for me. And I think many times entrepreneurs do have an epiphany. There's a moment where you think, oh my gosh, this isn't going to be right for me. I don't want people telling me what to what to do I want to be able to lead my own services so um, I, it was a really really good job but I quit I was in the fortunate position of um, having a, a lovely husband who was able to support me so I know not everybody's in that fortunate position but I did I was going to be able to pay my mortgage and I just packed it in at Capital
1: One and decided bish bash bosh set my own business up when you got home that night and told your husband, what did he say? I think to say he was speechless
0: would be an understatement. Um, I think he, that's not true. I think for many entrepreneurs, having a supportive partner is really important. It might be your husband, it might be your parents, it might be a girlfriend. But I think a good entrepreneur has to have a wingman who is sitting there as your cheerleader beside you all the time just saying, Good job, girl. You go get it. So my husband has always been very supportive.
1: So you then decided to set up Hallam Internet on your own. And we met when you had your offices in King Street in Nottingham. Tell me about your first day turning that key in the lock and going in. There's your own office. There's your own business. I did. Well, I think what's also interesting is that
0: what many people don't realize for a lot of small businesses is I actually worked from home for 10 years first. So I converted my children's playroom into my office. It was so groovy. So I worked from home. And it was only after the business started to get big enough and financially robust enough that I then decided to take a lease on the office. And I can't tell you how much I loved that office. It was absolutely beautiful. Nottingham's Market Square. It had views over the office. It was a stunningly beautiful building. I would go back there today, but I was so lucky. I was so proud of that office, yeah.
1: And you were selling at the time services around search engine optimization. Now we're talking what 15, 20 years ago. How receptive were businesses and organizations at the time to that kind of offering? So um, I started the company in 1999. Uh, Google was actually just
0: only a year or so old. Google was a brand new thing. So For me, me, and this is true, I think, for some entrepreneurs, I was at the state, I was having to educate people to explain to them, this is what search engine optimization is, this is why you want it. So a lot of my selling was education. I was also in the kind of weird position that at that point there were also a lot of cowboys. There were a lot of really unethical, unscrupulous people making really outlandish claims. So I was in the fortunate position to be able to make my unique selling proposition. My USP was about being ethical. You can trust me. I do good work. And I think that kind of ethical proposition is still with Hallam today.
1: And with the education, I know we made a lot of videos (laughs) together, which are still going around on YouTube, and you worked a lot with Google. How much of what you did was learning to keep ahead of the fast-growing trend of Google, of search engines and so on? I think for me, in terms of developing and growing this
0: really kind of world-leading organization, a lot of it has to do with the desire to learn something new every day. So to work in this digital space, it was a question of constantly, constantly learning. So again, I think that gave us competitive edge as a business that we were always on top of the latest trends, always know what's going on. But that's hard work, you know. Um, It also meant we need to hire people who also wanted to keep, keep learning like that but I do remember meeting you and I thought you were doing this work with video stuff and video was quite new on the internet and I think I just spotted the opportunity for you and me to collaborate and I think for business owners to spot these kind of working collaborations was hugely successful so some of the videos that you made for me all those
1: years ago are still around and still being used what a great investment how did you then start to grow the company because You've sold it now, 50 people you employ. How did you even begin to do that? Because for a lot of business owners, it's quite tricky, isn't it, to think I'm going to employ somebody or I'm going to employ somebody else and somebody else and somebody else.
0: Yeah. So I think the first reason always that you grow is that you spot the opportunity that there's more work or there's more clients, there's more opportunity. So that kind of happened, I don't know, two employees, five employees, seven employees, that kind of happens before you even know it, if that makes sense. And then lo and behold, as it grows, it went from seven to 17 to 27. Um, And I think it's only really about that 27 point that I really did sit down and think strategically. What do I now need to do? The word that we would use is scale. How do I now scale this business? And at that point, that's where I really started then, getting advice from people like the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program and the Vistage Program. But I got a lot of coaching from other business owners who helped guide me on how to then go to 47 employees and, and, and bigger and bigger. But
1: scaling a business is quite a complex matter that it's worth getting help with. And you're actually now giving help to business owners to help them do what you have actually gone through. Again, I think there's nothing better than saying that you walk the walk.
0: So I think um, I have been through a lot of this. I've had a lot of skills and training. If I've experienced it, and I think I mentioned earlier that a lot of times running a business on your own can be quite lonely. So it is good to sit down and talk to somebody who has who has been through this process before. So what I'm doing right now is sharing the lessons I've learned and the experiences I've had with other small business owners.
1: You were awarded an MBE for enterprise and innovation. You are an American. <laughs> what was that like to go and get that from the queen? I am American. However, I am also a
0: British citizen. So, I know it doesn't sound like it, but but I am I'm a dual national. I can't tell you what a great day it was to to go to Buckingham Palace. My mom, who's now 88 years old, very well, she came over to the palace with me. They do make you feel warm and special and wonderful. I have so many people to thank for that reward. And And one thing I'm often asked by business owners is, does getting the recognition from the Queen's Honours list make any difference to your business? And I would have to say, yes, it does. So it does raise profile. It does build trust. So um, that was a pretty amazing experience overall. What did you like and what did you dislike
1: about running the
0: business? I love what I do. I have to say, in terms of digital marketing, I love digital marketing. I love how Google works. I love how social media works. I like creating digital marketing plans. Um, I'm really technology-led. I love the technology. Um, I think, as you know, I also love public speaking. I love training. So there are so many things I loved about the company. But then, like you say, there are also bits that you don't love so much as well. I, I do speak to some of my friends who are business owners, and probably one of the hardest challenges for entrepreneurs is managing people. So manage, managing people, it's a real art. So I think what I learned quite quickly is how valuable it was to hire people, like particularly Jake Third, who joined my team, who has great strengths in managing people. And for me to hand that responsibility to him, for me, was a huge relief. Huge relief that I could trust him to do an exceptional job managing our people.
1: What prompted the decision to sell the business? So I'm still a minority shareholder
0: in the company. And I think when you start to get advice, as the business grew and grew, I mentioned the word scaling. One of the things they then talk about is called an exit strategy. What are you going to do to leave the company? And I think I knew that either... The business would die with me because my name is, you know, my name's above the door. My name's Susan Hallam, the company's called Hallam, and I risked, if I wasn't there anymore, that the company would disappear. Or I had to find a way to grow the business that I essentially put myself out of a job. The hardest thing for an entrepreneur is to put yourself out of a job for the baby that you've created, But I did work really hard on that. So we were working on building an exceptional management team. Um, I was less and less involved in the business. But lo and behold, I think many times for small business owners, things happen that you don't expect. So out of the blue, I got a phone call from an American company who was interested in buying us which was a a wonderful, flattering surprise. But I think, so we weren't ready for it right now, but that's where you do have to respond and react. And we took a a huge amount of advice and guidance and we decided the best way forward was a management buyout to allow the existing members of our team to own and take over the legacy of Hallam. But, But it was
1: precipitated by something that was pretty much out of my control. You've become a big part of Nottingham, mention your name to anybody in Nottingham in the business world and they know who you are what is it about Nottingham that you love? Nottingham is a great city it's a compact city it's full of
0: arts and history and culture um I I don't know if you're aware, but Nottingham Castle has been undergoing a 37 million pound refurbishment to make it a world-class tourist attraction. I'm um, a trustee of Nottingham Castle. I'm also the chair of Nottingham's Creative Quarter, which is, Nottingham is full of creative businesses. So I love Nottingham because it is a rebellious, curious city, it's a city with attitude, it does have great attitude, um, and I love living in the city centre.
1: It seems entrepreneurs need attitude. So what next for Susan Hallam? I have really enjoyed the moment of selling the
0: company. And we've taken a few months to... to, during this pandemic to reconsider and think about things. Um, and what I'm doing now is is having moved into this kind of sounding board, helpful coach type role is really starting to take off. And I love it that I'm getting approached by businesses that would like support, that they can talk to me confidentially. Um, I'm acting also as a non-executive director, a NED, to, to, to help businesses to grow and thrive. So. I like the fact I'm still doing my digital marketing and I also like I'm sharing my business experience. Hey,
1: Susan Helen, thank you very much. Thanks, Gail.
0: You've been listening to From the Midlands, a whirlwind production. If you've enjoyed listening and would like to sponsor this series of podcasts, details are available on our website at fromthemidlands.co.uk.